With that, we're going to watch a short video and then have our message. Here are our final actual costs for this mm. year. Okay. As you can see, we did pretty well. So. Yes. Yes, I can see that we did indeed. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right. Well, this is the overall budget for this fiscal year along the x-axis. Yes. There. There's the x-axis. You can see clearly on this page that we have a surplus of $4,300. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we have to spend that by the end of the day or it will be deducted from next year's budget. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Your mommy and daddy gave you $10 to open up a lemonade stand. So you go out and you buy cups and you buy lemons and you buy sugar. And now you find out that it only costs you $9. Oh. So you have an extra dollar. Yeah. So you can give that dollar back to mommy and daddy. But guess what? Next summer... I'll be six. And you ask them for money, they're going to give you $9. Because that's what they think it costs to run the stand. So what you want to do is spend that dollar on something now. So that your parents think that it costs $10 to run the lemonade stand. So the dollar's a surplus. This is a surplus. We have to spend that $4,300 by the end of the day, or it'll be deducted from next year's budget. We should spend this money on a new copier, which we desperately need. Okay. Break it down in terms of... I'm... Okay. I I think I'm getting you. Yeah, you can clap for Michael. That's awesome. Uh, He needs the encouragement. (laughs) Hey, first of all, I want to assure you, we do not handle our money the way they portrayed right there. If there's there's, uh, excess, we don't automatically spend it or anything like that. And, And I think also it might be fair to say that while I might not understand the budget as well as someone like Oscar, who's like a trained accountant, and I see Dave King sitting here, Lee helps uh, one of our staff pastors helps with the budget, too. I think we do understand it a whole lot better than Michael does, or at least portrays uh, there in that video. Okay, so great to see you all here today. Are, are you glad to be here? Yeah. Extra hours sleep last night, isn't that awesome? How many of you, I mean, to be really honest, how many of you thought an extra hour to stay up and watch TV or do something with my friends or something. How many actually? Okay, I thought I suspected that because that's how I always think too. Fortunately, my wife doesn't think that way. We went to bed earlier. <laughs> you know, the whole idea of uh, excess, the whole idea of um, uh, le- leftover, you know, leftovers in the budget and, and more than is needed is uh, just a really powerful thing, a surplus, a surplus. Uh, it makes me think of the Freedom Project and uh, what, we, what we did last spring. And, I, and I've, been, I've been thinking about that the last few weeks and actually went back and reread my message notes from several of the messages on... Uh, in the spring on the Freedom Project. And well, let me back up here and ask, how many people were here for the Freedom Project? How many of you remember it? Okay, a lot of you do. And um, uh, it, it was an awesome time, wasn't it? I mean, it was really encouraging and it stretched our hearts. And in case you don't remember, you don't know this, uh, we took six weeks where we focused on God's goodness uh, and God's desire to bless us and really tried to shift our minds from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset so that we would uh, look at life through the lens of 
God's abundance rather than looking at life through the lens of fear and anxiety over their not being enough. And then on Easter Sunday, we received an offering and um, it just kind of blew us all away because this was all offering that we wanted to give above and beyond our normal giving. You know, so that it wasn't like me just taking my normal giving that I give, you know, here to this ministry and shift it to the Freedom Project. And we received over $100,000 on Easter in special gifts for this Freedom Project. Now, that's something to cheer about, folks, okay? Come on, let's, let's, yeah. I mean, God is good, and, uh, and God is generous, and, and there is blessing. And I mean, this, the whole Freedom Project also really spoke to the heart of this church that there is a spirit of generosity that God has given us as part of our DNA, sort of part of our birthright, just a spirit of openness, a spirit that's willing to say, I, you know, I'm going to open it up and I'm going to share it because it, it all belongs to God anyway. And so that, that's such a cool thing. That's such an awesome thing. Uh, we were able to give um, a really big chunk of cash to an organization called Destiny Rescue, which, well, you know Destiny Rescue? Uh, many of us do, yeah. Destiny Rescue is an organization that goes into some of the uh, really poor, poorest, worst parts of the world and rescues uh, primarily young women that are in the sex slave trade. And so these young women... Uh, often have been deceived into this, but once they get into it, there's, uh, there's no way out. And Destiny Rescue uh, follows just this really wonderful approach to things where they pull them out, uh, they lead them to Jesus, they give them uh, a, a new perspective of life through Jesus and prepare them to go back out into life. And we were able to uh, give enough money to free 12, 13, 14 uh, young women through the whole process of restoration. And uh, as well, we were able, yeah, isn't that awesome? Yes. We were also able to give a big chunk of uh, cash to a mission in India, uh, Peace Mission India. We had Pastor Roy here, oh, six, eight weeks ago. You remember Pastor Roy? He, he, I interviewed him at the front. And uh, he's just this wonderful uh, Holy Spirit-filled and anointed man that really ministers to the broken and the, 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 the least of the least of the least in human terms. Uh, people who have incredible value in God's eyes, but not too much value in man's eyes. And we were able to bless them with the largest gift they'd ever received as a ministry and in order to, to help them to reach more people. And so that, that, that was something to be rejoiced about too, don't you think? That's awesome. Yeah. And then we gave uh, a big chunk of cash to an organization here in the city called um, the Lord's Gym. And, and really our goal was to, to have this whole thing be totally focused away from us. So we didn't focus on any ministries right here in our immediate area because we didn't want to have any misperception that we're going to bless you so you tell people to come to our church or anything like that. You know, you follow what I'm saying? And uh, the Lord's Gym is in downtown Cincinnati. They, they're opening one in Price Hill, and they're opening a Lord's Gym. They have a Lord's Gym in northern Kentucky. And uh, we were able to bless them. They, they're out on the streets constantly ministering to people. And uh, part of our heart in the Freedom Project was 
to, to somehow participate in people that are addicted to heroin gaining freedom. And so uh, we were able to do that. We had uh, one of their leaders came and spoke at the church in August, and that was such an awesome thing. But uh, how many of you were here to hear Zach's testimony a month ago? You were here? Okay, wasn't that cool? That was awesome. Yeah. If, yeah. Come on, folks. This, this is an interactive day here, so yeah, that's better, that's better. I'm just letting you let your hearts out, okay? That's all. And, uh, hey, if you haven't heard Zach's testimony, go back to October, the weekend, the first weekend of October, I think it was, and uh, you'll hear a powerful story of a young guy that was addicted to heroin, that found freedom, and uh, this church and our young adult house group ministry uh, played a huge role in that whole process. And so it's kind of like we have a heart for that. Uh, we're sacrificing to give to that, and, and God just gives us some 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 immediate return here, you know, some immediate blessing here. And, and I think that what that is is it's um, you, you know, like in Ephesians one, God says that the Holy Spirit is um, like a down payment, that He's like um, I, I think the word literally means an engagement ring. It's a promise. It's it's the it's the first the first taste of the promise. And the testimonies we've heard recently are kind of like the first taste of the promise that God's working, God's doing something. And we're going to see more people freed from heroin addiction. We are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you heard Shauna's testimony a couple weeks ago, a young woman that had decided she was an atheist and uh, was not just didn't believe and. Uh, through a chain of events and relationships, she ended up coming uh, to a small group at, at our young adults uh, house group. And someone gave her a prophetic word. And we, we value prophetic words here. We value a prophetic culture because it releases the presence and power and life of God in a way that, that very little else can. And so there's a prophetic word given to her. And then she gets prayed for. And it just, she just crumbles. And she goes from walking in there saying, I don't even believe God's real, to how can God not be real? Look what just happened to me. And invites Jesus into her life and gets completely, totally blasted by God in the presence of the Holy Spirit and saved. And it's just an awesome thing. And there's more of that to come. Okay, I'm going to tell you there's more of that to come. Because what God's doing here, what God's called us to, is to be a church that has wide open arms. We have wide open arms to the new person. Uh, to the person that hasn't been to church for 20, 30 years. They don't know church lingo. They don't know who Moses is or what Ezekiel did or anything like that. We want to create a culture here that is just empowered with the presence of the Holy Spirit and prophetic type culture ministry happening everywhere, but that also it's just as natural as could be so that the new person can walk in and, and they're, they're at least not going to be turned away because of the language we use. If there's anything that, 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 uh, that is, is going to be a, a, a stumbling block, it's going to be Jesus. And he's not a stumbling block. He's the one that's going to lead them into life. 
And so we're called to be a church that's filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And that is also open-hearted and loving. And, and we're going to welcome new people in. How many of you know, how many of you have been here three times or more? Okay. Do you know that you are on the greeting team? Did anybody tell you that yet? Okay. Well, you know that now, okay? And uh, there's three simple things you do. You see someone you don't know. And you, you, I mean, to you, you might think, well, this is their first time here. It has to be. I've never seen them before. This is their first time. Hi, is this your first time here? Don't do that, okay? Have you ever had anyone do that to you? It's kind of like someone walking up to you and saying, hi, you stick out like a sore thumb. You look like you don't fit here. I mean, that's what it's like. So what we do is we walk up to people and we, and we say, hi, I'm Van. What's your name? Man, my name's Carl. Hey, hey, Carl, have you been coming here long? That's a good question. Have you been coming here long? And they can tell you, no, this is my first time. And if that's the case, well, oh, awesome, awesome. Second question is, how'd you find out about this place? And yet, maybe they have a friend. Maybe they were just driving by. But I want to hear that story. There are good stories as to how God leads people to places. And then the third story, third question is, are you from the area? Where are you from? And by that time, uh, it's either time for the service to start or you're in a conversation with them uh, or it's time for you to just, just you've, you've greeted them and, and you move on. But that person feels loved. They feel recognized. And, and you want to do this just to, to allow the love of Jesus to flow through. That, that, that's the key thing is we want the love of Jesus to flow through us to bless others. Just the love of Jesus flowing through to bless others. And I, I will guarantee you this. You'll look around, and especially if you've been coming here for a while, and you're going to say, oh, that person's new. I know they're new. It's silly for me to ask them, have they been coming here long? Because I know they're new. If you follow this, you will find out at least half the time, if not more, that person's been coming for three, six, eight, twelve weeks, six months, two years, and you just haven't met them yet. Okay, but this is all part of just developing a culture that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, where there's this prophetic release of God's presence and healing power and life, but is also just so welcoming and so warm and so open uh, to everyone else. And uh, I'm going to get back to the, um, to the uh, Freedom Project here, okay? You know, I, I reread these notes this week. And uh, they just, I, I read them and I thought, oh man, I forgot that. I forgot that. I forgot that. I, I really needed to go back and review the principles that we focused on during that time. And so that, we're going to do a little bit of that today. In the next couple weeks, we're going to be reviewing some of these truths and principles that God revealed to us through the giving, uh, through the, giving free, the Freedom Project and that giving project. But you know what the series of messages was titled then? It wasn't titled The Freedom Project. Anybody remember the, the, the sermon series? The, the, the titles, the title of the message itself was More Than Enough. More Than Enough. Do you remember that? More Than Enough. And why, why was that the title? It's because when we really begin to understand who God is, we really begin to understand His love for us, we begin to understand there is more than enough. And we want to battle and break this whole concept of a scarcity mindset. 
Do you know what, like biblically, what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a thought pattern in our minds that is entrenched. And so it is just our way of looking at life, but it's wrong. That's, that's a stronghold. And what that does is it gives the enemy, Satan, opportunity to attack our minds and to attack our lives. And when we have strongholds in our lives, they can, be, they can have to do with money. They can have to do with relationships. It can have to do with, um, uh, with, uh, so, with church life, expectations. We wanted, to, we wanted to identify and believe God led us to identify a spirit of scarcity, a stronghold of scarcity. Because that's prevalent in our culture. It's something we all struggle with. And it's something that was really gripping the heart of our church as well. And so we want to just speak that out in order to break that spirit of scarcity, that stronghold of scarcity. Because when there's a stronghold of scarcity, and when we live with a scarcity mindset, everything is gauged on the basis of what if. And then the what if has to do with bad things. What if this happens? Boy, if we take this risk, what if that happens? If, you know, if I trust God with my life, with this relationship, what if the other person doesn't reciprocate? It it really constricts our lives. It really puts a stranglehold on any sense of risk-taking. Because the what if, there are always so many what ifs there. And, And it's all about scarcity. God doesn't have enough power to do this. God doesn't have enough wisdom to give to me. God doesn't have enough other people to support me in this. But when we begin to understand that God has an abundance, and we develop this abundance mindset, then we realize that there's an abundance of wisdom and creativity. There's an abundance of resources, of gifted people, an abundance of opportunities, an abundance of energy, an abundance of time. And what we need to do is just begin to walk in it. And when we recognize that God's provided an abundance for us, then it it shifts our thinking. And we begin to think, rather than a scarcity mentality, we think in this abundance mentality. And, and And opportunities that come are not restricted by what we view as available resources. Oh, here's this new ministry. Oh, we don't have enough people. We can't do that. Here's this new opportunity. Don't have, I don't have the wisdom to do that or the gifting to, don't have the power to do that. You want me to pray for that sick person? I don't have the power to do that. Yes, you do. Yeah, because God releases his power in his life in abundance. And this whole idea of abundance, we, we really did focus it on finances because Jesus attached finances to the human heart. Now, some people, and I've heard this so many times in my, what, 35-plus years of being a pastor, so many times I've heard people say, God doesn't care about my money. He wants my heart. you agree with that? I mean, well, there's truth in it. There's truth in it. But it's not the complete truth. Because Jesus said this. He said, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So, yeah, Jesus wants my heart. But my heart is attached to my treasure. And so I need to, I've got to view my possessions from a kingdom mindset. I've got to view my money from a kingdom mindset. And if I don't, 
then I'm not going to be yielding my heart to Jesus either because the two are tied together. Jesus said that. And so we've got to move from this scarcity mentality which causes us to fear and live in anxiety. We've got to move from that into an abundance mindset in order to really walk into everything that God has for us. Hey, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 and 8. Let's take a quick look at that. Here it says, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Okay, it's 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, he loves everybody, okay? But it's just kind of like saying, well, yeah, man, I really love it when the Bengals score a touchdown. I mean, or whatever, you know? It's, it's you know, God gets a kick out of it. He enjoys it. He loves seeing it. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Isn't that awesome? You see, it's like there's this, uh, there's this cycle that I get into where I begin to view God from this abundance mentality. God is good. God's goodness. I, I, I focus on God's goodness. And that he is going to provide everything I need to do everything he wants me to do. Okay, that's an abundance mentality right there. Because it ties my heart into what God wants me to do. And I'm recognizing he has a purpose for my life. I mean, do you feel like you don't have a purpose? Do you ever hit a point in the week where you look at your life and you think, I have screwed this up so badly. I just need to coast throughout the rest of life because... I've screwed it up so badly, there's nothing left for me to do that's going to be good in life. I mean, anybody, anybody ever think like that? Am I the only one that ever? Come on. I, I will admit, I have thoughts like that at times. Uh, we, when we tie our heart into his vision and mission for us, then we're able to see that his goodness and his provision are all tied into me walking in that mission and yielding my life to his mission. And when that happens, then there's just this new way. All these doors open up and there's this new concept and understanding of everything God wants to do. So an abundance mindset uh, or or let's say the scarcity mindset really isn't about how much money you have in the bank. It's about where your trust is. It's about where my heart is in trusting. And did you know that it's possible for a person to have no money and yet their trust is in money. Usually we think, well, if a person has money, then they're probably trusting their money. Well, that's very possible. Maybe it's even likely. But it's possible to have no money and still my heart is set on money. And think about this. The person has no money, but they take the little money they have and buy a lottery ticket or maybe multiple lottery tickets. And then they dream about if I win, what's life going to be like? Boy, if I win this lottery, then yeah, life will be great. I'll be happy. And I might even give some of it away, but everything's going to be so wonderful. That is a scarcity mindset. It is trusting in money. And so we want to break that and we want to begin to shift to trusting in God and trusting in his provision. Hey, do you remember the uh, Declaration of Freedom that we did? How how many of you do remember that? Okay. Um, There's something powerful about us making declarations together. And and, uh, we're going to bring that up here on the screen in a moment. And I just want to say, I think we missed an opportunity. Um, It's not too late to pick it up, but I think with uh, completing the... the, um, 
the, the Freedom Project on Easter, and then it just seemed like wham, summer was here. And everything's, you know, just juggled and, and uh, busy and on the go. And we didn't really follow through with the, the whole concept of uh, making declarations. But um, I think we're going to move back into that some. And uh, in, in fact, we've been talking about doing a series of messages on the renewed mind and how to renew our minds and how the Holy Spirit works to renew our minds. And part of that is declaring truth. Uh, part of that is stating truth out loud. And so there's something powerful in that. And um, I'm going to bring it up right now on the screen, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Last night I said I was going to read it to you. I was going to ask you to read it. And uh, at least a dozen people started reading it with me. So I took a vote and said, how many of you want to read this out loud together? And the vast majority of them did uh, because they're a really spiritual group. And they really love Jesus. And so we're going to take a vote right now. And how many of you want to do this declaration together, huh? All right, all right, good. We'll do it together, okay? It's simple. Uh, Read it. Read it like you mean it, okay? Let's just read this like we mean it. Not like we mean it, but mean it. Okay, through Jesus Christ, we're set free. We reject fear and anxiety. We embrace the power, love, and sound mind our Heavenly Father has given us. God is a good Father who provides all we need and more. Our mission is to release the life and power of the kingdom to our families and our community, to our city and to the nations. God provides abundantly for our needs and gives us extra so we can share with others. As free sons and daughters of God, we will give sacrificially and joyfully to destroy spiritual strongholds and free the oppressed everywhere. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's why we're here. That's why a church body exists. Okay? That's why we're here. And um, as, as we focused in the spring on stuff out, totally outside, uh, these next couple of weeks we're going to talk, and there's going to be more of a focus on here and on uh, giving here. But um, th- th- this is going to be a fun time. We're going to see these principles. They're going to be renewed and restored in our lives. And uh, God's going to bless. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it so much. Now, what I want to do right now is to show you this great illustration of uh, how we need to shift our thinking from our human thinking to heaven's way of thinking. And what this means is, for some of us, well, no, let's say for all of us, at some point, unless we've already totally done this, we've got to recognize that everything we learned growing up wasn't right, okay? I mean, especially we've got to know that what we see in the commercials is not right, all right? (laughs) What we see in the sitcoms is not right, 90% of the time anyway. And unfortunately, you know, growing up in a home with imperfect parents, we probably picked up some attitudes towards possessions and provision that we have to lay open before God and say, okay, God, examine these. Are they right? Is this really your way of thinking or not? And so that said, let's uh, let's read this. Well, I want to give you the uh, setting first, and then we'll look at this passage. But what had happened um, 
was this. Jesus had fed 5,000 people with just a handful of of fish and, and loaves, okay? Big miracle. Apostles all saw it. Great, exciting thing happened. And then they're leaving this crowd. They're going down to the lake. They're going to get on a boat. They're going to go across the lake. And as they're on their way, this uh, group of religious leaders called the Pharisees, they, uh, they start talking to the apostles. And they are sowing these, these wrong thoughts in their minds because they're arguing and challenging them about things. And then they were a very religious group that did not like Jesus. Primarily, they didn't like Jesus, most of them. And so they get down to the boat, and they're in the boat, and they're starting to sail across the lake. And Jesus turns to his apostles, and he makes this statement. Uh, he says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, leaven, many of you know this, some of you might not, but leaven, what that is, is yeast. And so you tie this together. Jesus has just fed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread. They get in the boat and Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. What he meant by that was be careful of the teaching they give. Be careful of these ideas that they're trying to put into your minds because some of these ideas are so destructive that if you receive that wrong idea, just like yeast... It's going to permeate your whole being, and it's going to change your perception of who God is. That's what yeast does. Just a little bit of yeast in a lump of dough permeates the whole thing, and then it causes it to swell up and makes it, makes it, makes it bigger so you can bake a loaf of bread. And so the apostles, they hear this, and they immediately they think, oh, yeah, we know what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about bread because, Peter, you only brought one loaf of bread. And it was your job to bring bread for everybody. What were you thinking? And they're kind of, uh, they're, they're discussing this and I'm sure bickering about whose fault it was they didn't bring more. And, you know, even that was so stupid of them because Jesus had just taken five, four loaves of bread, I think it was, and fed 5,000 people. And now they have one loaf of bread for 13. I mean, if you just do the math, there was plenty of bread. They had plenty. But they're arguing about why they don't have more. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes in and he says this. Why are you talking about having no bread? Guys, what are you talking about? You don't have bread. And I can't help but read some like impatience in this. Maybe not impatience, but certainly exasperation and an emotion to communicate to them that they should know better. And what are you doing? Guys, what are you thinking? You're talking about not having enough bread. Do you still not see or understand? See and understand are key words. Are your hearts hardened? Don't you have eyes? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Okay, so there, uh, Jesus is saying to them, guys, you're totally missing the point. And he's going to give them the point next. But he says, do you see and yet not understand? Don't, don't you see or understand? And the word see there, it means to perceive with the mind. So it's like, it's when you choose to think about something. It's when you are choosing to look at a thought or an idea. And so they are, they, they are not making the positive conscious choice to put two and two together here. Because that's what the word understand means. 
Literally, the word understand in, in the original language means to take two or three parts and to snap them into place, like a jigsaw puzzle, and you see the picture. And he's saying, you don't understand, you haven't put things together yet, or your heart's hardened. That's what happens when people don't listen, our hearts get hardened. But he goes on then, and he uses, says this word, don't you remember And man, I love this word and this whole concept of remembering because it is so crucial to us adopting and beginning to move in a kingdom of God mindset. In other words, a heaven type of mindset. He says, remember, and the word remember uh, means to more than just, yeah, I remember where I left the keys. Oh yeah, I remember what she said to me. It's more than that. It is a memory where you're focused on something. It's like meditating on it. It's like remembering and being impacted by it again, just like you were the first time. It's going back to something that happened and, and just focusing on it so that it just it stirs your heart once again. Don't you remember what happened? And then he goes on and he says this. He asks two questions. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000... How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they said. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, what did they answer? Seven. Okay, seven. And then he says to them, do you still not understand? Jesus' whole point here is abundance. His whole point here is what was left over. He's, he's not saying, well, don't you know that when I passed that out and you were taking it and it multiplied and that was a cool miracle? No, he's saying, don't you know that there was left over? There was more than enough. There was an abundance. And so he wants them to begin to think in terms of abundance, not how are we going to do this? I mean, Jesus says, feed them. Well, we're going to do it. It's going to happen. And God, in, in, in counting resources, God, you have to start at a different point when, when you're thinking heaven's way, when you're thinking kingdom of God. Let's, let's put those numbers up about the... Uh, okay, look at this, too. Five loaves fed 5,000. How much left over? Four, seven loaves fed 4,000. How much left over? Okay, here's what I want to show you. In the first instance listed here, he had fewer resources to start, five instead of seven, more people to feed, 5,000 instead of 4,000. And what happened with the abundance factor? It went up. There was more left over. And so if we can't get that message, there, God provides and abundance. And what we need to do is to learn to think like, like heaven thinks, to think kingdom of God thinking, and then trust God in every respect of our lives. And we can't get away from trusting God with our finances. We can't, we can't avoid that. And then beginning to live that way, and we can be confident that there's going to be an abundance for us to do everything God calls us to do. Absolutely everything. And he's called us to do a lot. And he's doing something here in this church right now that is unique and powerful. And I don't mean unique in the sense of elite. Not that at all. It's not like 
God's never moved in a church's life before to release more Holy Spirit power and life and all of that. But it's unique for us, and it's special, and it's new, and it's fresh, and it's powerful. And God's going to do something in us that's going to release something that's going to impact not only our community and not only this city, but also this region and the whole world. And so we trust that because why? Well, God has an abundance. And you look around, you say, with, with, with us, he's going to do that? Are there enough? Well, yeah. How many of us, how much do you need? Five loaves, seven loaves? There's an abundance, and we want to trust in God's abundance. So we're going to be talking about this the next couple of weeks, but what I have right now is this really cool story for you. And I'm going to invite Carl Stenger to come up. And Carl's going to share some um, experiences he's had recently that um, have to do with this whole concept of abundance and God's provision. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, let's welcome Carl, okay, everybody. Good morning. Thank you. Awesome to have you up here, Carl. Thank you for coming. Thanks. Hey, Carl, uh, uh, what we want to get to is uh, something that happened in Carl's life in the last couple of years, but I want you to go back briefly just so people can know who you are. Tell a little bit about yourself before you came to know Jesus, and uh, then, then we'll go from there, okay? Well, I grew up in a Christian household and um, always believed in God, believed in Jesus, but uh, didn't have a relationship. Um, probably from the age of 14 to 29, had a severe alcohol and drug, drug problem. Okay. If I remember right... Uh, 70, 80 hour weeks. We call that workaholism. Yeah. Yeah. I was working. I was a, a holic of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome, man. Uh, um, but, uh, that changed. Well, yeah. Um, I'd say two years ago or three, three years ago, um, I was already two years in the walking with my faith with uh, Christ and I'd already had started to um, to tithe regularly, and um, I had a job that I, I worked nights. Um, I had to work a lot of hours, but uh, I was able to make things work, and it wasn't that much of a struggle. But I also had a friend of mine that uh, uh, was helping me with my finances last these last three years, and when he saw what I was giving. He said, what's this for? I said, I'm, I'm tithing. He says, you know, if you didn't tithe, you'd have more than enough. And I, I felt very strongly about it then, and I do now, that uh, that uh, um, it's an honor that God asked me to do it. And for years, I didn't do it, and I didn't want to live like that anymore. Okay. So... Um and just for everyone to know, you grew up uh, in a family that was a believing family. Yes. Heard the truth, had it in your mind, mm-hmm. uh, connected with Jesus a few years ago. Uh, I know Alpha here at this church was a big part of that. You come yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. And you, you ratcheted back into some of the things you had been taught as a child, and you just started tithing. Yes. And tithing, in case you don't know, is different than just giving. A lot of times we say, well, I tithe and... Um, and, and we bless anybody that gives any time. And if 
you give on a regular basis, that's, that's just wonderful. Tithing is actually giving 10%. That's what the word means. And so what Carl means here is he's giving 10% of his gross income. And whether you give gross or net, I mean, totally between the person and God, but yeah. uh, that's what Carl's doing. And so That's what I felt led to do. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but anyways, he, you know, it was... It was, I was able to do it. There wasn't any super struggle with it, but, um, I was going through a divorce last year and my, um, I was, I was wanting to spend more time with my kids, but I was worried about having a job that would pay the bills. And, uh, I just kept praying about it and I knew I had to do it. So I just took a, uh, a leap of faith and took a day job con- made considerably less money and uh, I, I had that for two months uh, on top of the fact that the, going through the divorce the, was costing was a, a cost that I wasn't used to I was actually having to pay for daycare because when I worked nights I was able to watch my son during the day and uh, so everything was com- compounding and of course, people around me are going, are you still tithing? And I says, well, yeah. You know, I feel very strongly about it. I hadn't missed a house payment at this point. And I made the comment that uh, I was like, I'll lose my house before I stop tithing. And um, so, so say that again. So make sure everyone hears it, okay? I said I would lose my house before I stop tithing. Okay. And uh, I started not making my house payment. <laughs> but within two months, I was doing concrete work, and my body I, is pretty beat up. I can't do concrete work anymore. And I was able to go back to the company I was before, but they had a day position. So I went back, but it was for a pay cut. During this whole time, I still kept tithing. And praying and and just giving it to God, and I had I had peace about it, even though things weren't going good, and I wasn't making payments, but I was keeping in contact with all my debtors. Um, and that that's very significant that you were paying down bills that you could pay down, and yeah. you were keeping in touch, yep, with with the bank and with others. So, okay. yep, and um, of course, I was keeping in contact and. Um, Actually, when the Freedom Project came up, I gave to that. I had no, you know, didn't really have the resources to give to it, but I I felt led to do it, and I just, and I had peace. As soon as I did it, I had peace about it. Like, I wish, you know, after I did it, I was like, I wish we gave more. <laughs> but anyways, uh, back in June, they... I was keeping in contact with the mortgage company, and I, like I said, I, I started off bad, but by, let's say, January, February, I started getting raises. I've gotten three raises since then, and the hours got better, and um, I was actually able to make the payment. And I let them know that I could make the payment. Well, they wouldn't take it. They said, we want $10,000, or it's going to foreclosure. Well, I didn't have $10,000. So you realize that I me, mean, he's talking about the house payment. Goes back, I can make the payments now. They say it's too late. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, fast forward, I'm 
still in contact, but fast forward to September, they had gave me a date of September 25th that they're going to uh, do a sheriff's sheriff sale. And when they do that, if your house sells that day, whoever buys it or whatever can technically come up to you the next day and say, you're out. So they're literally, I mean, they're foreclosed. You've they're, been foreclosed. Yes. Okay. And, um, again, I had peace about it. When I would talk to other people, my peace would kind of go away. So I, so I stopped talking to people about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? But I started to move, you know, this is September 25th. So it was a weekend before I thought, I don't really care about, not that I wanted to lose my stuff, but it's just stuff. You know, that's the way I looked at it. And, um, but I wanted to get my kids' stuff out, and I, I got storage. Well, my daughter gets on and off the, bu- uh, the bus at my house every week, and uh, I did this on a weekend that they weren't there. And, um, of course, she was upset, and uh, said, so what are we going to do? I says, well, I'm just preparing because this is Monday and it's Thursday. And um, I says, I don't know what's going to happen, but what I do know is God loves us. We've never gone without food. We've never gone without a place to stay. And I trust God. It'll, it'll be all right. So Tuesday, my parents, um, without telling me, called the court to, to check to make sure that the 25th was still going to happen. Well, when they called, it had been taken off foreclosure or been taken off their books. So they called me when I'm at work, and do you know what's going on with this? And I says, no. Um, you might want to look into it. So I did. Couldn't get a hold of my bank. Didn't think anything of it. And then um, Wednesday night, uh, it's supposed to be Thursday that they're doing the foreclosure. Wednesday night when I came home, I got a paper from my mortgage company saying that they had sold my mortgage to another mortgage company and to get a hold of them from here on out. And when I did, the next day, they said, uh, we're going to be sending you a packet in three or four weeks, and uh, as long as you make a payment, it's like it never happened. Awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Awesome, Carl. It is awesome. I mean, I had never, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. I had no, in fact, my sister is in mortgage, God bless her, (laughs) and she's a believer, and she made the comment to me, you know, oh, they're going to sell your house and kick you out. She didn't mean it, you know, she didn't mean anything by it, but I was like, it's not the feeling I have, (laughs) but I couldn't express it, so like I said, you know. And it wasn't just her, it was a lot of people. They just kept looking at your my circumstance, and I says, you know, it's kind of like with the numbers. Numbers don't mat, match up, yeah. but God always provides. Yeah. And um, even if I wouldn't have kept my house, I would still feel the same way. I mean, it's an honor that God asks us to give, whether they have a little or a lot. I'm not saying you have to do 10%, but I just believe in it firmly, and... Um, God's good. Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. 
God bless you, man. Proud of you, Carl. You, you've, uh, you've trusted God, gone through some hard stuff. And, and even if it hadn't happened, if you're living in an apartment right now or your mother's basement, as you said, you, you'd still be happy you gave. Very much so. That's awesome. I'm going to ask Carl to step down there, and a few of you guys come up and pray for him, okay? And, um, yeah, just right here in the front row and right around in there. Just come up and just bless him. Man, thanks, guys. What we're going to do now is uh, go into a time of worship. And uh, there's a lot to worship about. I mean, God's faithful. God is good. And, and like, the, uh, you know, like Carl said, even we're, we're not like trying to propose, if you do this, this, and this, then this will happen. We're saying God's worth it no matter what happens. And we're saying God is a God of abundance, and, um, and, and we can trust him. And so we want to speak that out, and I encourage you in your heart to receive that. Because when you hear a testimony like this, it releases the power and presence of God for other people to receive the same type of faith and confidence and boldness and courage. And so just open your hearts to receive that. Hey, we're going to worship. Worship team, come on down. If you're going to serve communion, you can go back and start getting ready right now. And... Um, when we receive communion, the way we receive communion here is we uh, have little crackers, and you pick that up, and that represents Jesus' body. And so I, I look at that, and I just say, I have a real Savior who was a real human being, real body, and he gave his body for me. And then we dip it in the juice, and that juice represents his blood, and you look at that, and you say, Jesus shed his blood for me on the cross. And... We're remembering his death on the cross. We're looking forward to him returning, but we're remembering his death on the cross. And at the cross, there was power released to defeat all of the dark things in this world and in this life. And so as you, as you do this, as you worship in this tangible way, I want you to come with expectation that God's going to do something in your life today. That just, right, just as you're worshiping, at that moment... Some people are going to be healed physically. Others are going to be freed from addictions, from depression, from fear, from anxiety. There's going to, there are going to be blessings released into people's lives. And so come with expectation, and then let's just worship God like crazy for half hour or so, okay? So you want to stand with me? And we'll just start worshiping, and the servers will be in their positions. And um, as soon as the um, communion's over, you're welcome to come down here and just spread out across the front and worship. doesn't make any difference how old you are. Coming down to front worshiping is a cool thing. And it really, uh, really just is a cool thing. So, Father, we're so thankful that you love us. Thank you for your goodness. Uh, we just thank you for your blessings in our lives. And thank you most of all, Jesus, that you came to die for us. So, Holy Spirit, now we invite you to come and reveal more of Jesus to us. And reveal more of the work and the blessing of God the Father. In Jesus' name.